Good morning, Gate Church. Do you love Jesus today? Are you glad to be a part of this church family? And if you're online today, I want to say welcome to you. Uh, we're going to pray in just a minute and over our family, over healing, but I'm super excited to see Pastor Jay in his joggers and flannel next week. So you guys got to show up for that. Unfortunately, I won't be here to see that, but after 20 years of friendship, I've seen a lot, more than I really like to talk about with Pastor Jay and my friend. So we've had lots and lots of memories. And, uh, and I, I really want to focus today. I believe God has a word for the house. I want you to receive the word, but I, I want to say from my wife and I to Pastor Kathy, to his leadership, to our church family, how much we love you and thank God for what he has done in our lives. How many of you realize when you obey God, he does something in you and something through you? You, you, you think, you, lots of times we think we're on assignment. We call it that. I'm on assignment. God's called me to do something. I got a purpose. I'm do, but your doing really isn't about your doing. God can get it done without you. What he wants to do is through you and in you so that you can witness to his goodness. Amen. And so that's been true for us as a family. And we thank you. We covet your prayers and we're grateful today for your love and friendship. And uh, we just wish that we could just line it up and go out to eat with everybody because I love to eat. And uh, people, Christians tend to love to eat too. It just, it just works out. So, and people just love to get together. We, we wish you could do that, but we just want you to know we love you. We'll be around hanging out for at the end. I do want to pray with some folks, but I want to pray today for healing before we open up today. I know Pastor Kathy's watching online. We shared uh, over the break that uh, she had, she had um, got caught COVID and had been experiencing pretty difficult uh, effects of that. Most of you, many of you know that that can be extremely difficult. Uh, good news is we got Nurse uh, Chandra here on, on the job and, and she has been taking care of things and helping us. And Pastor Kathy's on the men. Pastor Kathy, we believe for your healing today. And so if you, I want us to stand to our feet today, we're going to pray because prayer works. It works so much, Dr. Strickland decided to wear a, t a sweatshirt that says pray. So I'm wearing a sweatshirt today that says pray to remind us. If you have a healing need today, I want you to lift your hands right where you're at. We're going to start this right. If you have a healing, I do. I, I need my body touched. So I want you to keep your hands up. If somebody near you has a healing need, I want you to grab oh, their shoulder or their hand today to reach across the aisle, and we're going to pray and believe by faith that God delivers and God heals. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the power of healing. We thank you for provision at the cross that the blood of Jesus heals. And Lord, we are, we're not taking communion right now, but Lord, we, we metaphorically receive, Lord, and apply the blood of Jesus. Lord, we apply it today as provision for healing in our bodies today. We speak over our leader, Pastor Kathy. We believe that her body's been strengthening, Lord, that her voice is coming back, her, her, her lungs are being filled with air, her body is, is coming back, back to its full functioning capacity. And I pray for my church family today, those who lifted their hands right now, whatever it is you have need of, whether you have a need in your in your back or maybe you have a shoulder injury maybe you have a need in your somehow you have a need in your body or you have a need in mind today maybe you have a struggle in your mind we pray over you today that you are the healed of the Lord now come on get in faith with me Lord we agree today by faith Lord that something is changing right now in Jesus name something is changing right now in Jesus name and it is your name God we pray amen Come on, shout out in and give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Grab your Bible, if you will. I want to look at Haggai chapter 1. Look at Haggai chapter 1, and I want to share with you out of this, the first few verses here. We're, we are in uh, the first Sunday of Advent. 
And I do love Advent. It's, it's the church's witness that God is still about doing something good in the earth. It's the way the church witnesses as a counter witness against everything else that's happening all around us. How many realize you can easily get caught up in the rhythms and the patterns of just the culture around us and forget that we are from another culture? We are from another world. We, and Advent reminds us as we lead up to Christmas, this is about Jesus coming and making the world right again. And no matter what you see on the news this week, I know you'll see many stories that'll seem tragic, and they are. They may seem hopeless, but because Jesus is here, there is hope. And that's the story of Scripture. It's a story we're going to read today. So we believe in this season of Advent, I encourage you, if you don't do this, you and your family, every week, there's four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day this year, which will be on a Saturday. I encourage you to take time to celebrate Advent with your family. You can look that up. There's resources we have online as well. And just begin to make the focus of your family during Christmas, not about getting something or about giving something or having to do a party, but about Jesus. Can we say amen? Why don't you look at Haggai chapter 1. Israel's in a time in this passage where they are away from their homeland, they're away from, they're in exile, and the prophet comes and speaks to them in verse 1 through uh, 6, I believe I'll read. In the second year of King Darius, the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And look what he says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, look at this, these people say, somebody say, these people say. See, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. But then the word of the Lord, verse 3, comes through Haggai and says, through the Haggai prophet, and verse 4 says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? Now, therefore, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And, he, and you, earn, you who earn wages do so to put them in bags with holes. I want to preach a message today to encourage your radical faith called what people say. What people say, radical faith as a witness against conventional wisdom. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for the reading of your word, for the impartation of what you have to say right now. I believe someone is watching online or in this audience, Lord, have come today needing to be stirred in their faith. A moment of decision has come. And so right now, I pray for listening ears and receptive hearts in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? Amen. Thank you, Sarah. You know, it's, it's amazing that in our time of living in culture, how much we can get baptized and formed by all the forces around us. We have a constant feed of social media, constant feed of news. We have a constant feed of messaging, and our life begins to get formed in ways that make us just think what I would call practical thinking. We become practical, conventional thinking. And one of the greatest obstacles against radical faith is conventional thinking. Let me say that again. One of the greatest obstacles against you having radical faith 
is just conventional thinking. How things work in this world. How many of you had that kind of thought come through your mind or someone said to you, this, that's just not how things work. I, I know what you're saying. I, I understand how you're praying, but that's just not how things go in the world. You, you really shouldn't think that way because it doesn't make sense to think that way. There's a practical way of thinking that cultural continues to feed us and push to us, and we're begin, we begin to have our minds shaped and molded by something other than the Word of God. We begin to have our spirits and our hearts so formed through seasons of discouragement, through times of, of, of discomfort, through, through challenges in our life, where all of a sudden we, we stop thinking in terms of faith and we start thinking in terms of what's practical and what's reasonable. And see, in Haggai 1, you have a, a whole body of people, God's people, and they're living in exile and they're overcome and they're discouraged. I want to know today, maybe you're online or somebody in the audience, how, how many of you experienced seasons where it felt like one thing after another is just driving you down? Over and over and over. I'm discouraged. I can't believe this is happening again. I can't believe I'm having to do this again. I can't believe that this, was, this disappointment happened again. Maybe some of you feel today that you're just a target for the devil. Like everything about your life is a disappointment. I want to say to you today, that is a setup to steal away your radical faith. Because you weren't built to think in the common terms of what's practical and conventional and obvious. You were made as a child of God to live in faith and radical faith. But over time, like God's people, we get discouraged and we get to a place where we, re where we begin to believe this lie that my failures now shape my life. That what I did before, the failure that I had, the way that I didn't come through, the per people that are against me, now all of that comes together to make up my reality instead of me believing what God's Word has said about my life. I begin to think conventionally. And I think, what would people say if I did that? What would people say if I acted that way or if I stepped out in faith? How would people think about me? What would it look like to all the people around me? And we begin to spin our minds and get turned around and get overcome by this thought process. And you know what happens to you? You get paralyzed in your faith. You aren't able to move forward because all you can think about is what is it going to look like? How is it going to feel? It doesn't make sense to me, and I can't explain it. Can I say to you something today? Your faith does not have a language in the beginning. You just have an action. You just have a choice. You just have a decision, but you're not going to be able to explain it to everybody. There, there's somebody who knows what I'm talking about today. Taking a step of faith happens before you can tell people what you're about to do. Let me go over here. Maybe, you, you, maybe you've been in a place where God says you to do something and you don't have any reason to explain why you're doing it. Because conventional wisdom says, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe you're like me. I, I've been at times in my life where I said, I know it don't make sense to you. It don't make sense to me either. And I can easily get caught up in this this reasoning ideal, this practicality of Christian faith, when in actuality, faith was never meant to be practical. 
Faith was never meant to be formed and understood in light of present circumstances. Come on, church. Faith is calling you out to a bigger place, to a greater place. Faith is Peter standing in a boat saying, it doesn't make sense for me to throw my leg over this boat and walk out to my Savior. But if you'll say it, God, I'll come. I'll step out in faith. See, some of you today are even in that place of wrestling where you're already out halfway and you're halfway down. You're, 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 you're sinking in the water, but you got to remember you, the one who called you out is able to keep you afloat. The one who, brought, who, who said for you to take the step of faith to begin with is the same one that's going to guide you along the way and take you to that end and that fulfilled promise. You know, if Satan can't have your soul, I want you to hear this today, if he can't have your soul, he will settle for your joy and your peace. If Satan cannot have your soul, this is what happens in church full of Christians. We end up having church full of people who may have their entire eternal soul saved, but their joy and their peace is gone, so we lose our prophetic witness to the world around us. Because the enemy's plan for your life is a trick on your mind. It's to get you to think and be formed. And let me tell you, you know what's, you know what's forming your mind? All the things you're allowing into it. All the feeds that you are constantly throwing into that eye gate, into that ear gate, into that soul, all that things around you is forming you on the inside. And my question is to you, what is forming you? Because if the enemy can't take your soul, he will paralyze you and steal your joy. Joy is not the same thing as being perpetually happy. I'm not happy about some things that are happening right now, but I have confidence to know that God's in the middle of them. I know that God's taking me through something, so I'm not going to stand here and be paralyzed. I'm just going to keep taking the next step. I don't have an explanation for it. I don't have a reason for it. I'm just going to take the next step. Somebody say the next step. I'm just going to keep walking, and I'm going to keep having joy because I know that joy is the thing that's filling me up. It's, my, it's the fuel in my life to keep me going. See, I want to say, I feel like this is some, for somebody today. We, you, you live your life like a, you're riding down the road like a long highway, and, and God's called you from one place to the next, but you keep running out of gas between here and there because the fuel you're putting in your life is toxic. Your life was created in goodness and faithfulness and love. You are not the result of sin's fall or some sort of cataclysmic activity in, in the beginning of Genesis that ruined you. You were made for purpose. You were made for love. You were made for goodness. And when you fill your life with joy, you naturally begin to respond and you have the energy for the day. You have the, you have the strength for the day. You can take the next step. Let me, listen to me. You can't take the next four days worth of steps, but you can take the next day's worth. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. I will receive strength, but when I get it the right way, when it's joy and it's peace, I might not know what tomorrow brings, but I can do today. See, I, I'm in a place in my own life. It, it feels like every day is, is, is a new challenge, and I have to live in a way that just says, I just have to do today. Your only responsibility is to do today. And, and in order to do that, you can't think in terms of all the future things and all the past things. You just have to think, God's in my moment right now. And I won't lose my joy. 
You can't get distracted by constantly figuring out what's going to happen in the future or whatever happened in your past because that will lead you to a place of conventional thinking and it will steal your faith. You'll stop responding in faith. Here's a principle. You need to write this down. If you're not careful, your failures and your disappointments can define a new normal for your life. If you're not careful, your failures and disappointments begin to define a new normal for you. It becomes a limiting cycle for your life. It becomes a new normal that defines who you are. If there's anything we understand from Scripture, it's that God calls us into new creation, not old cycles, not old patterns. 2 Corinthians 5, let me show it on the screen, says this, that you are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, that person is part of a new creation. Old things have gone, the new has come. Everything from Genesis to Revelation reminds us this, what God did in the garden was create something new. Where God made you is into something new, and where he's taking the world is into something new. And we don't have to live in a perpetual pattern of limiting cycles that says you're that person who failed before. Can I say something to you today? You might have failed yesterday, but you can pick it up today and keep going. You might have done, you might have messed up the last five days, but you can choose today to say, I am a new creation. I am a new person and I'm walking in the newness of my life. I will not let the enemy steal my joy. Israel lowered their expectations in a time where where they were experiencing the repercussion of their, their disobedience. But, and they thought God was away from them. This is what I love about God. When we say that God is away from us, he actually went with us. When, when we say that our disobedience has pushed us away from God, what you, what you don't realize is he's standing right next to you. Because there's nowhere you can go that he is not there. You can't live disobedient enough to be away from God. That is the story of Christmas. God incarnates. He leaves his place. It comes to your place. And guess what? It don't matter how lowly it is. It don't matter how bad off it is. It don't matter how unshiny it is. God finds himself a way to get in to your place and love you right there in that spot. So the question isn't, is God away from me? I can't get surrounded or get confused by this idea that somehow it's, I just need to think practically until I pull my life together. I just need to, I need to think practically or reasonably until I get things together so that, so that everything makes sense and I can really begin to worship God then. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. Look at this. God's word says, consider your ways. You have sown much and you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. Hmm. I mean, that's speaking to somebody today. You, you eat and you drink, but you never have enough. You, have, you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in bags with holes. I want to know if that describes parts of your life at times. Is there times when you've been pouring into a business and a ministry and a relationship and you're getting nothing back in return? 
Now, there's a, there's a place in our life where we act out of obedience and we just do what God says. And we're, th- life is not about you getting something. But can I say something to you? If you're living a pattern of your life and you're not getting any return from it, if you're in a relationships in your life where, where that relationship is toxic to you or you're in a business, sometimes you just have to obey God and just say, you know what, we got to change something here. Because God's never going to bring something in you that's going to steal your joy. God's not trying to connect you to things that are going to sap your energy or pull you away. He's trying to pour into you strength and faith. And so if you're at a place where you're losing constantly, the question to ask is not, is God away from me? But what am I doing that's causing me to live in these limiting cycles that keep me from serving and being the man or the woman God's called me to be? I want God to stir up my faith so I I can't keep pouring out into things that aren't bringing a return into my life. They're not, they're they're things that are, they're sapping me of my energy. You've grown too used, this part of this passage that I love is it's so important, is you've grown so used to the spirit of never enough. You've grown too used to the spirit of never enough. And now all of a sudden, everything about your life is never enough. I don't have enough connections. I don't have enough competencies. I don't have enough strength in my life. I don't have enough uh, partnerships. I don't have enough anointing to do what God's called me to do. And you live in the perpetual pattern of I live with never enough. God wants to break that pattern off your life. I wonder who today has grown used to that idea, that, that constant loop in your mind. I mean, if you realize that you might not say it out loud, but when it's looping in your mind, it's controlling your behavior. If whatever it is that's turning over in your mind is the shaping, it, it is a shaping mechanism of how you live out your every day. If every day you can wake up and you just think, it's, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough then it will control how you think. You've adjusted your life to unfulfilling cycles in your past. Maybe it's a heritage of your family, your father's experience, your previous failures, your previous place. But I want to say to you today that you are not a result of your past. Your future is not determined by what you've already done or even, listen, this was a word for me, or even what you've seen done before you. Because you can choose today to break that cycle off your life. Somebody needs to hear this word. You can step into radical faith and say, God, I'm going to live in a way that doesn't make sense to everybody else around me. I'm going to start taking chances in my life. I'm going to start believing that God can do something incredible in my life, even though I feel strapped by my current situation or the cycles that have kept me bound for years. I'm going to break those off my life and live. Faith is something that you participate in. It's not just something you say. Faith, faith is, is something that you get involved in. It requires your action. It requires the core of your being. Can I say something to you, church? As a charismatic church body, I'm, I'm thrilled that we have the language of faith, but language enough is not going to do it. you got to know that down here. You can't just go around and say things and expect the world around you to line up. Why? Because oftentimes our language is just a veil for things we doubt on the inside. Our language on the outside, our forced Christianese, is just a way for us to cover up with the work we fail to do on the inside. Somebody don't hear me today. 
Because when God takes you through a process to break old cycles, he forms you from the inside, not from the outside. And so it's not long before I begin to think in ways that are faith-oriented. I begin to live in ways that are faith-oriented, and before long, I'm able to talk in ways that are faith-oriented. They're in a a number of, of Christian slogans or scriptures you can cite that will change you on the inside. It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember a season of my life where, where I walked through a, a major bout of, of depression. Some of you will, will have that experience yourself. Uh, just like one single day, it felt like it came on me in my mind, my body. I could taste it. It was just an incredibly dark experience for me, and it just came over my life. Now, I understand that it's not just one singular thing. There was a lot of things leading up to that, but for me, it was that one single day, and I knew I needed a way out of that. And I thought the first thing that came to my mind, well, I'll just get a bunch of scriptures, and I'll put them on my mirror. And I'll just begin to quote scriptures. I found out before long, me just saying a bunch of words didn't change a thing in my life. Me just quoting John 3.16 or me quoting the Psalms or begin to quote things, uh, declarations, those promises didn't make a difference until they began to get on the inside of me, until I began to believe what I was saying over my life. And before long, I wasn't just quoting scriptures because, see, what I was looking for is I was looking for an external feeling to match my internal uh, mindset. I had to just begin to get on the inside of me the, the idea that if I just begin to believe what God has said, my feelings will catch up later. I couldn't wait to get in a place to to break out of my cycle. I had to break the pattern of thinking in my mind in order to get my emotions to to fall in line afterwards. And let me tell you where that happens. It happens at the place of worship. It happens at your place of worship. If you've lost the altar in your life, then you've lost the source of strength for your life. If you won't go and build your place of altar, you won't go your build your place of worship. And can I say to you, Sunday morning hearing somebody preach is not your place of worship. That is the place where we together witness to who God is. He's king of glory. But you need a place of worship in your life. You need a place where you can go and you can get on your knees and say, God, do in me what I can't do in me. I need to get to a place of worship. See, Israel and Haggai 1, they're resisting this one thing. We don't have time to build our place of worship. It's too inconvenient for me to build a place of worship. We're just going to go do our daily thing. We'll get in our daily pattern, and we'll get things worked out along the way. And God's Word said, you can't go another step until you get on your knees and find your place of worship. Find your place of worship and strength. Because it's out of that place, listen to me, that your purpose begins to grow. Those who are planted, come on. By streams of water, they do what? They flourish. Why aren't you flourishing? Because you're not planted in a place of worship. Not just a church. I'm talking about your lifestyle. Every day when you wake up, is the first thing that floods your mind a load of emails and social media, or is it the presence of the Lord? Is the first thing that goes through my mind every day when I'm anxious is just how do I numb this pain with substance or some sort of, uh, of activity? Or do I just get in God's presence and say, God, in your presence is fullness of joy and there's peace everlasting. Do I get on my knees and say, God, I need the source of the river of God. 
I need, I need to be strengthened. My roots are going out. But if your roots aren't going out by, the, by the, the river of life, then you're bringing in toxic energy. You're bringing in toxic fuel into your life. And you won't grow. You won't flourish. We lose our purpose when we lose our place of worship. Worship has a way of reorienting us back to who you truly are. How many of you realize your vocation is to be a witness to an ever-present and coming kingdom? And when you worship, you're reminded of that. That's why it's so good for us to sing together, Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Because collectively together we're saying we're a people from another place. Some of you need to remember you're a person from another planet. You're, another, you're from another world. You're a kingdom-minded individual. You are called by God. You are oriented according to the love and the purpose of God. And there's nothing more powerful than the love and the presence of God on your life. But you got to get it on the inside. And just let it flow over you. You just got to let it wash over you. You say, I didn't feel anything. I'm telling you, you don't have to feel anything for it to work. Somebody online needs to hear this. You don't have to feel it to work. You just got to do it. You just got to let the Word get up on the inside of you. You just got to get up in the morning and read the Psalms and say, yeah, I know what it's like to suffer, but my God, He is faithful. Yeah, I know what it's like for times to be difficult, but my God's going to bring me through. Because at my place of worship, there is life, there is strength, and there is joy. And I won't allow my joy and my peace to be stolen away just because I can't understand my present circumstances. It is in the place of suffering that we get formed. It is in the place of inconvenience that you get shaped in your life. Friends, if you aren't inconvenienced or troubled, you'll just stay comfortable and unshapeable. As long as everything is going like you think it should go or that makes sense to everybody around you, you will never grow another day. You'll never go from where you're at because you believe where you're at is enough to just get you through. But God didn't call you just to get through. He called you to radical faith. He called you to go somewhere. Somebody is hearing me this morning. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You're meant for more than what you're doing now and you know it. And I'm coming into your living room right now, and I'm saying, get up off the couch and do what God called you to do. Stand up and be who God called you to be. I know it don't make sense to your mama. I know it don't make sense to your sisters, all your aunties, all your uncles. It don't make sense to all them people you were just hanging out with Thanksgiving. But God's called you to do it. Stop being defined by something that's not your identity. You're made to be a kingdom agent. And it's in that place of worship where you say, God, I didn't see it before, but I'm starting to see it now. Yeah. Come on. Come on. See, this church has been in a place where, where we had seasons of disorientation. But I became aware that during the most difficult months of 2021, God has an undeniable, un, uh, un, understandable, it's, it's, a, it's a supernatural plan for this church body. God has a purpose on this house. Somebody at the Gate Church is going to get it today. We are in a season where you might not understand it. You might not get it. But that's not your responsibility. God's not asking you to understand it. He's just asking you to obey. He's not saying, do you get this? The, the, the fact is, is that what, I, what the Holy Spirit is doing is not seen or heard, but it's understood in the deep spiritual places of a man's life. God's not asking you to understand what it is he's taking you to. He's just saying, I want you to obey me. Yeah. 
I want you to resist the idea that it's conventional just to do what you've been doing all along and change the, change the story. God's trying to change your story, but keep you in. Pastor Kathy, keep you in your story. God's trying to move you into the next chapter, but as long as you stay caught up in that place of convenience and comfort, He's got to get you uncomfortable. You know, some of you, some of you need to hear this. God's got to make you mad enough to move. God's got to upset some of you mad enough so you'll stop being what it is that you are already because you are not done yet. God's not finished yet. God's not done yet. But if he don't make you mad enough, you'll just sit right there on your holy you-know-what and just keep doing what it is that you've been doing because it makes sense to you. But I don't want to live in that place. I don't want to live what makes sense to me. I want to live in what makes sense to God. I want to be the man God's called me to be. I want to have a family God's called me to have. I want to be the church God's called us to be. I want to be a witness for Jesus in a world that's dark and lonely and depressed. But I want to stand up and say there's hope, and His name is Jesus. There's not hope in my religion. There's hope in Jesus. There's not hope in what I came up with and who gets to be in this building. There's hope in Jesus. And Jesus is in the places that I haven't approved of in all the corners of the world where I didn't think he was. He's there anyway, and he's doing his work. And all I'm saying is I won't end on what you're doing. And if you stay right where you're at, you're going to miss out. If you stay right what you're doing, that you're going to live your life, and you're going to arrive some point in time and realize there was so much more. The kingdom needs a church family ready to obey with radical faith. The kingdom of God in this earth, ever present and coming, needs a family that will stand up and say, we're going to live radically and we're going to live with radical love and we're going to stop the bickering, we're going to stop the division. I don't understand it all, I don't like it all, but I realize the fact that I don't like it probably means God's in it. That part of the message nobody wants to hear. If, it don't, if you don't like it, God's probably in it. Because until he stirs up those feathers underneath you, you're going to sit right there and get snuggled up next to your Hallmark movie and do nothing. I done made all the ladies nasty. All the men, I got the men, they're back. The ladies are upset. Don't be touching Hallmark now. Don't you, be, don't you, don't you blaspheme Hallmark. <laughs> Don't, don't get on my wool socks and comfy blanket and call them a mug of, mug of chocolate and Hallmark movie. God bless Hallmark. I'm only saying that comfort is not the pattern of the Holy Ghost. If God is going to take you, he's not going to leave you. He's going with you into exile. He's going with you and where you go, he's saying, I want you to build an altar right there. Because there's something I'm doing in you that's going to be for the people around you. There's something in you. My God's goal is not to bring you back to the one place that everything seems so amazing. That's what Israel's problem was. God was trying to unpack the kingdom. They were trying to pack it back into one place. God's not trying to get you back to a good old day or a better day in your life or some uh, 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 fantasy that you have about how things would be amazing if you could only. God's trying to unpack the grace on your life so that your life could be changed and the world where he's sending you is going to be changed. How many of you would settle if just your husband and your wife and your children would be changed because you decided to obey God? 
What amazing miracles could happen if moms and dads and husbands and wives and men and women in the community would just obey God and watch the 10 people around them change supernaturally? Instead of trying to force our way back into a pattern that makes sense to me and that's comfortable for me. But I'm asking God, Lord, as you lead me through discomfort. Let me tell you something. People say, don't be careful what you pray for. You're going to go through discomfort no matter what. You can either do it mad and angry and bitter or you can do it redemptively through the power of the cross. You don't have to pray. Listen, you can pray for patience. And I know we love to tell that story. Pray for patience and all of a sudden you... It's going to happen when you pray for it or not. I, maybe that's a news flash. There is no safe life here, by the way. There is no safe pattern. There's no road that gets everything predicted so it all works out. It doesn't matter what you think about somebody else's good life. I guarantee, pull the curtain back, you're going to find there's hurt, there's pain, and there's disappointment. So the question isn't, am I going to experience times of difficulty? The question is, what am I going to do when I get there? And I guarantee you, if you wait until then to find an altar, it's going to be hard finding your altar. What God wants you to do is pick up your altar and carry it with you every day. I don't go nowhere without my altar. We don't go anywhere without our place of worship. And we say, God, bring me back to the source of life and speak to me because I don't want to live the way I was living before. There's too much at stake, church. You hear me today. There's too much at stake. Stop living in a way that makes sense to you and start stepping out in faith and seeing what God will do. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I cannot explain. I, I hate to, I don't, I'm not the super most vulnerable, comfortable person being vulnerable, but I'll just say I can't explain what God's doing to me now. I don't have language to understand why God's sending me and doing what he's doing. I'm not running from something. I'm running to something. Because there's a part of me that wants to say, it's not just because it's comfortable, because I love what's here. But God will cause you to leave the good to take you into the God. And when I'm at a place of obedience, I can always say, God, I know that I won't be going alone. You go with me. And the thing I love about God is he's never forgotten about anything that's left behind. He's making it all new. So wherever you leave or whatever it is you think you're going to lose, God's actually going to touch that thing too. And he's going to take care of that. I want you to write these down. How do I live a life of, of radical faith and resist that conventional wisdom? Number one, you got to tell the truth and tell it slant. So I mean, I'll unpack that just for you a little bit. It's, it's a Emily Dickinson's poem, tell, it, tell the Truth and Tell It Slant. What it means is you got to learn to tell your story while you're in the middle of the story. you got to learn to talk about your story even while you're in the middle, the parts that don't make sense. Because there is truth in your story that's not going to be backed up by practical data or facts or things that are happening around you and circumstances. But there's a truth on the inside, and you'll know it because the Holy Spirit will say it. You're going this way, I'm taking you there. you got to learn to talk about your story while you're in the middle. And you got to be careful because your language is leading you somewhere. God's plan for your life is never a perfect setup, victory to victory. God's plan for your life is never a perfect setup, victory to victory. He's not he is taking you faith to faith and glory to glory. But there's an in-between, folks. 
Between this faith and that faith, there's a middle, and you got to learn to tell your story. Tell the truth, but tell it slant. You have to tell it all, not just the miracles. Can I say something to you today? You can't wait until you get the miracle to talk about what God's done. You need to learn to talk about what God's done in the middle. What he's doing now. You need to learn to be able to say, I don't quite understand it. Today was a difficult day, but my God is still faithful in times of trial and discouragement. We've tried to overcome our doubts with forced faith language that denies the realities of suffering. When it's in suffering that God's shaping your life anyway. God's not coming. God, listen, God will, God will, Job, this is the story of Job. God will remove things at times to allow difficulties to come in so that he can be glorified. Because guess what? It's not about you. It's not about what you get. Your miracle, God could give you your miracle today. It ain't about getting the miracle. It's about who you become in the middle of that miracle. God's in the suffering. You got to learn to tell your story. This was a big challenge for me. I had to learn that the same God that loved me in the end was the God that was there in the middle. God wasn't against me. He was for me all along. We have to learn to tell the story of the ups and the downs. All the things in the middle. You don't have to deny your circumstances. You just, you just need radical faith that says, I don't know why this is happening, but I know in the God that I serve. I'm going to tell the truth, but tell it slant. I don't understand the circumstances, but I just know that God said, go, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to be faithful. Listen, you don't get the resurrected Christ without the lowly baby in a manger. You don't get resurrected Jesus without the crucifixion. And there's a process of this. That's what I'm saying. And right in the middle. See, that's, that, that's where Peter went wrong. Peter tried to explain to Jesus he wasn't going to be crucified because all Peter could think about was the victorious ending. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. That's a, that's a no for all of us. Whenever you're tempted just to frame your life in perpetual victory, you need to say, Satan, that is not the voice of God. I know there is a process, but the God that I serve will raise this dead body to life again. And that's the truth and the witness of, of our faith. Number two, you need to learn to obey while there are still unanswered questions. You need to learn to obey while there are still unanswered questions. I've learned that over the years that not knowing what to do and what will happen is some of the important parts of my life because it builds up in me faith. You need to learn that, that when you obey, you're going to obey with things that are still unresolved. It's the unknowing, it's through that process that we become vulnerable enough to do what God wants to do, which is change our hearts. So wherever you are right now, whatever situation you're in, I want to encourage you today. If you're in the middle of saying yes to God and you have unanswered questions, that's okay. I don't know where you are, who's this for, but in some process of your life, when you're saying yes and you can't figure out why, you don't understand what's going to happen next, all you need is to refer back to the first thing. God said go, and I'm going to go. I don't know how it's going to work out, but let me just, can I just give you, I, I have a, I mean, it's amazing for us as we say yes to God, how things just day to day, I, don't, I didn't have any control of that, but it worked out. I come up on one day and it feels like it's all going to fall apart. And then by eight o'clock that night, somehow it all comes together. I don't know how that happens, but God, 
This other situation that I didn't have it work out that was deep on the inside of my heart, I was carrying it. It was a weight on me. I didn't have an answer for it. And all of a sudden, I show up one day, and it's just resolved. I thank God, how'd that happen? It happened while I was walking through the miracle. I didn't have an answer. I was just obeying. Let me tell you something to you. You, you will face the, this, the lies of the enemy that will tell you if you don't have a solution for this, it will fail. And that is the enemy trying to steal away your faith to take the next step. You don't have to take the next 10. You just have to take the next step. And if you get caught up in that paralyzed thinking, that stinking thinking, and you start getting locked in to not having all the answers, you will never take another step of faith in your life. Learn to walk out faith while you have unanswered questions. I had to, let me have the guys come, and, and Congo's going to help me here. All the praise team come. Number three, listen to this. Kick not enough. I'm going to say this. Kick not enough out of your head. You need to kick not enough out of your head. I want to ask what narrative is playing through your head right now that's keeping you in prison to disobedience? What narrative keeps looping around in your mind that you don't have enough? That says, I won't make it. I don't have enough. I want you to kick that thing out of your head because we serve a God that is always enough. Charismatics, we like to get it super excited and think God is a God of abundance. Sure, God is a God of abundance. God is a God of surplus. Yes, God has more. But he's not trying to pour onto you anything but what you need right now. He is the God of just enough, and that is beautiful. I love that the God that I serve is just enough because when I wake up in the morning, the story of manna is, is it's there again. Y'all know that's the miracle, right? The miracle isn't that there was a 10-day supply. The miracle is that when you woke up the next day, it was there again. Can I say to you today, whatever it is you're facing in your life, just go to sleep. It'll be there tomorrow. Whatever it is that you have need of, you'll know it because in the morning it'll be there. The problem is we get at a place in our lives we let not enough stir around in our hearts because we've scaled and we think we need, we need Tuesday's supply and it's only Saturday night. You've got to get into a place where I'm saying, today, whatever the supply you have for me, I want to live in that. I'm kicking not enough out of my mind because God is not a God of scarcity. God is a God of regeneration. God is not a God of scarcity. Otherwise, we'd have a dead Jesus and a dead God. But we have a resurrection Sunday morning. We have a God who regenerates. And so when something dies, something leaves my life, I just say, I don't know what that was for. But God, you're done with that because tomorrow morning another supply is coming. God's going to make a way. Kick not enough out of your mind. And Sango's going to help me here. I chose these weight here so this illustration would not fail. Bring that on over here, Sangha, that, that, that chair there. I, w- I want to talk to you today, this last point. I want you to remember this. If you're going to obey God, if you're going to have radical faith, you've got to get up under the weight. You've got to get some reps in. Now, I know it's, it's probably hard to believe, but there was a day I could not curl these. I used to think, I'm so buff. And, my wife, she's like fainting on the front row right here. She can't handle it. It's, it's, it's a lot to handle, this, this right here. If you're online today, just stick with me. The Holy Ghost is still here, but don't lose it as I curl these dumbbells. Okay? 
there, there was a day I, I could not do this. There, there was a day where, where, where I mean, that's, you know, I, 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 do, I do some fitness stuff, Songo. He, Songo's worked out with me. I think he threw up at the end. No, I was good. He was good. <laughs> <laughs> there was a day when I started out that this right here would just be impossible for me. And there actually is a weight that I did not bring that would be impossible for me. But this is where I'm at now. And there was a day where I couldn't do this, but, but, but I, I decided that I was going to try. So I had to start lighter, but I started. And, and, I, and I got them, and I, I just, I'd start with one. I'd do, a, I'd do a set of one. By the time I got to two, the lactic acid were building up so bad I couldn't, I couldn't get it halfway up. But, but it's not a problem now. I just keep going. So, so in your life, you got to get up under that weight, and you got to say, I can do this. God, I'm going to obey today. I want to cuss that woman out, but no. Mm, see that right there? It's an act of faith. It burns. It does. It burns, but I ain't going to do it. I want, I, want, I want to have such a bad attitude today because it, it's just convenient, but mm -mm, nope. Three. Three reps today. And that might not that may be all I got today, and I put it down, but I got in three today because I got under the weight. And I decided that I'm just going to obey a little bit. I'm going to have that difficult conversation. I don't think I can lift that weight. And I, and I remember days looking down at that. I don't, I don't think I can do that. Because there was days that I couldn't. But eventually I kept obeying over and over. And before you know it, somebody said to me, you can do it. And so I, re I reached down there and I picked it up. And I started curling. I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. So, so then I added... I added extra weight, so this is, won't you stand right here, Sangha? I added extra weight, and I, I decided that I'm going to go to the next level. I want to raise my faith. I want to get from just faith to radical faith, so I'm going to put two dumbbells on. And I'm going to throw those on, and, and as, I, as I begin to do my reps, I'm, I'm, I'm on the bench, and I'm halfway up, and I can't do it. I don't feel like I can do it, but I got a friend here. You got this. You got this. Come on. I, got I can't do it, Sango. Come on. Come on. You got this. You I can't, got this. I can't do it. Keep on going. You're almost there. One. There you go. So I got one. Can yeah. I get two? Yeah, you got this. Come on. Almost there. Come almost on. There. Push it, push it, push it. Push. Two. There you go. There can you I go. get three? Come on, I can do three. Come on, come on. Push, I can do push, three. Push, push, push. I'm going for come five, Songo. Yeah, come on, I can yeah, do it. Two more, two come, more, on. come on. Push it, push come on. it, push it. Push it. This. Come on. I don't think I can do five. On, I can't do five. I can't do five. Almost there. Almost there. Five reps. Come on. What's up, buddy? My coach right here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it was hard for me to pretend to struggle. <laughs> God, I'm just messing with y'all. I'm just messing with y'all. <laughs> that was a major acting affair for me right there. No, but <laughs> I think the point comes across is that there are times in your life where you've got to get involved with some prayer partners, some people in your life that will come around you and say, you think you can't do this, but you can. I can't hear God for you, but I can believe with you. I can't do that lifting for you, but I'm going to get up underneath you, and I'm going to give you a little boost because you were made for this, brother. You were made for this, sister. Get up under that weight and lift it up because radical faith is coming on the inside of you today. If you believe that, why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to pray, and we're going to praise, and we're going to enter into a time of radical faith. I, this is what I heard God say, that there are things in your life that you've been resisting to do you know you're supposed to do it, it might be call a loved one or a friend or a family that you've been broken away from for so long and you can't call them. 
The first call might feel like that first rep. I can't get it up. I can't make it happen. But before long, you keep practicing. And, so, and, and before long, faith begins to rise on the side of you and you begin to do it. All of a sudden, you're doing what, what was so impossible for so long. I want to speak to you today. As we sing, we're just going to end this time in worship. And then I'm going to ask for our prayer partners to come. But there is a moment that you have to respond to that says, I won't stay in this place anymore. Listen to me. You could come here and just leave, and it won't make, it'll be fine. No one's going to know, but you'll know. You'll know. You'll know that one more day passed by without taking a step of faith that said, God, I'm going to do something I never thought I could do. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not even, I don't even know this relationship. I'm not, I don't have a connection with Jesus. You know what your first rep is? Stepping out of that aisle and coming to this altar and saying, God, I need Jesus. So why don't you just bow your heads where you're at, lift your hands. Father, I thank you for these people today. Lord, I pray for faith to be stirred right at this very moment. Lord, there are people who are believing for radical things online today. We pray for you. We're praying for you. Our prayer partners are praying for you right now. Something that you thought was impossible is about to become possible because you're going to do rep number one. So as you lift your hands right now, I want this team to take us. We're going to begin to worship. As they worship and you feel like it's my moment to take a step of faith, I don't want you to wait for an invitation. I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to pray with a prayer partner here because they're going to help lift that load. Today's your day. Today's your day. You can move right now. Come on, team, lead us. Whatever it is, you just step out in faith. I'm going to change my life today. I'm going to step out in radical faith. That I could
Father, I thank you today for what you're doing. Lord, I speak over your people a blessing. As we end this time, we're going to pray for radical faith here at this altar. If you've not responded yet and you need to, you may not even have anybody pray for you, but you respond today. If you're online, we're praying for you. Radical faith to break through in your life. So, Father, I bless your people. I bless their coming and their going, that this will be a week of great change and transformation for them, and they would know and be confident in your power and in your joy and in your peace. In Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to keep praying here at the altar. If you want to respond today, we'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Just make your way to the altar, and let's pray for miracles.